You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, as you can probably tell, we're not doing the mock draft, which you probably knew the moment I said Monday and Tuesday would be mock drafts. But with traveling for the holiday and whatnot, I didn't exactly have enough time to finish out uh, the mock drafts, so we'll push it back a day. No big deal. And today, in the spirit of mock drafts and all things draft, I thought it would be um, a fun little experiment or idea to sort of go back over the Packers roster and just make sure we understand exactly what it is we're talking about. Because again, I think so many times we start to zoom in on certain things and you start to say things over and over and over again and repeating yourself so many times that you kind of forget sort of the bigger picture sometimes. Right, we've got these three needs and everything else is just kind of whatever, it's fine. Well, no. <laughs> there's, there's a lot worse than that. So I simply want to touch on, um, I guess, position by position and uh, get a fuller understanding, at least my perspective on things. And a lot of this is going to be backed up by PFF. If you don't like them, then you'll be able to disregard a good portion of this. But for any new listeners, as I've said, the biggest pet peeve I have is people that say they don't like PFF and instead what you should do is just go watch film because that's literally what Pro Football Focus does. I mean, they have the advanced metrics, but the thing that people hate is the grades, which is the part where they actually just watch film as opposed to, you know, worrying about statistics and grade a player. And not only that, they watch every single snap on every single play And then it goes through a three-person grading system. In other words, one person grades it, then another person grades it, and then a third person approves it before the final grade comes out. Then you got a bunch of people who remember like three plays from last year being awesome or saw like one guy on Twitter post a bunch of really awesome clips of somebody, and that's what they use to know that PFF is wrong. And I listen, I know PFF gets stuff kind of wonky sometimes, and I don't always agree with them. There was obviously that one time with Aaron Rodgers where you just absolutely tore it up and their whole justification was like well those are all like simple throws so we didn't give them too high of marks i don't know maybe their system could use a little tweaking here and there but overall as somebody who is not planning on watching every single snap of every single play for every single player because i've tried that twice didn't quite make it through the season and even if i did they're more qualified than i am so there's also that you know, like all three of the guys that graded <laughs> each of these players. I mean, I don't think they're lying when they say that NFL teams use their data and their information. I mean, Chris Collinsworth bought the the company for a reason, right? Not because he's not a football guy that doesn't understand football thing and realize this is a valuable football tool. So anyways, I'm, I'm just saying. I got to do that every once in a while. There's going to be new listeners. I know you guys have heard it a thousand times, but just giving my defense. If you don't like it, I don't care. But anyways... I want to start off the preliminaries with a thank you to Sonny and Patrick for um, 
for jumping in on the 400th episode donation. Really, really appreciate you guys. Between the reviews and Patreon and uh, just, just little stuff like a $4 donation or, in Sonny's case, getting creative with the number 4. As you guys tend to do. Which is nice, because it's always a bigger number, right? <laughs> it's like, here's your 40 cents. Nobody's, nobody's tried that one yet. We'll see. Which, by the way, if you give me 40 cents through PayPal, it will literally be 100% PayPal fees. So, just just a heads up. It'd be hilarious and all, granted, but maybe don't do that. But I do appreciate it. I, I don't like sitting here and begging. But at the end of the day, I do want this to be more than just a hobby. And um, I can't pay myself, if that makes sense. So thank you very much. I'm, I'm pretty blown away always by all the support that I get because I'm just a rambling dude with a microphone at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's pretty cool that there's people out there that listen to my incessant ramblings. So thank you so much. And uh, again, $4 donation is all I'm asking for for the 400th episode, which I think, I think this is 396. The 400th episode, which is pretty awesome. I think it's the exact same as last year, which is crazily timed is going to be the day after day one of the draft so the 400th episode is going to be me talking about our first round draft picks whoever they are and however many there may be because i mean hey maybe we trade up into the first round and have three first round picks i don't know maybe we trade out and only have one and it's a sad day i you know whatever either way it's going to be a fun and awesome episode so paypal and venmo um links are in the description be sure to get in the Facebook group for the live stream. Um, as I said, the plan is to put it up on other platforms, including YouTube, which basically other platforms just means YouTube, I think. Oh, and uh, Twitch. I'm going to try, but I don't know, nor do I really care, but I want to try it. Uh, NFLBigBoard.com, I'm going to try to get that up. Um, I've been kind of bragging about how cool it'll be that you can kind of print it out, you can export it to Excel and use it for the draft. i got to make sure it's updated before the draft or else, you know, not that it's out of date. There's just two boards I really wanted to add to it, so it'll be a little bit more updated. It's still fine. Uh, any questions, call 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718, text or call. And finally, as I said, if you are planning to subscribe to Pro Football Focus, there is a link in the description that you could use. It's an affiliate link, more or less. So if you were planning on that, just uh, try to remember to come back and find that link, and off you go. All right, we'll take a little break, and uh, we'll start just running through the positions, which is, if you've been listening for a while, one of my favorite things to do. We'll be doing this a lot during the season, just going right through all the positions and talking about things. So, anywho. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So let's start with quarterback, because duh. I talked already about, um, I mean, it, it's it's actually interesting, because as I discovered and talked about a little bit a few days ago, the potential for looking for Rodgers' replacement starting now is relatively high. Not because we know we need to move on from Aaron Rodgers, but because we don't know that we don't need to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I think the situation with Aaron Rodgers is very similar to the situation we had with Mike McCarthy, right? Okay, so Mike, it's not your fault. Well, let's remove all the excuses we can 
and see what. So Mark Murphy, as I said, taking taking it way back now. Everything was kind of falling apart, right? Mark Murphy turns around because all he's doing is facing outward toward Title Town and all this other stuff. He's doing administrative type things. He's not trying to be a football guy leaving that to the football people until he just can't leave it alone anymore, which is why I don't understand why everybody hates Mark Murphy. The guy is single-handedly trying to save this franchise because if he hadn't intervened, things would just be rapidly out of control. We would still have the same head coach, you know, probably not the same defensive coordinator, but, I mean, everything was just, everybody was comfortable just leaving it as it was. He decides he's going to turn around and, and take things into his own hands. So he's been slowly chipping around the outside, hoping that we by removing and replacing some of these, you know, tertiary and secondary sort of factors that maybe we can fix this. So defense isn't working. I don't think it was Mark Murphy's call. I think it was Mike McCarthy, but maybe with a little bit of pressure, whatever. Dom Capers goes bye-bye, right? Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So, you know, in my mind, after the 2017 season, everything was kind of fine and also kind of awesome because we moved on from Dom Capers and got Mike Pettin. Aaron Rodgers looked great in 27. Everything was fine, but Mark Murphy kind of knew something was up. So Teddy T kind of steps to the side, and the head coach, Mike McCarthy, who I thought everything was kind of fine. I mean, you know, it's kind of getting stagnant and, you know, all this, you know, maybe it could be a little bit better, but everything seems fine. They give him that one-year extension which is the first red flag for me that maybe it's kind of not looking great for Mike McCarthy, which I thought was weird. I mean, why would you do that? He's great coach, Hall of Fame, all this kind of stuff, right? It's, he's he's going to go down in history. I, I don't get it. Why is it just a one-year thing? Clearly, they weren't sold on him. Well, we saw exactly why in 2018 everything kind of imploded. He had the foresight. So, Mike McCarthy had all his excuses removed and said, okay, what exactly do you need to make this thing work? Got him a new defensive coordinator, and everything just went way downhill, right? Brian Gutekunst comes in, signs a bunch of free agents to try to help out the team, drafts a bunch of players to try to help out the team, does whatever he can, even goes in and removes bad influences, which I don't think Mike McCarthy really cared for, but it it was just kind of proof that, um, you know, between Mike, uh, excuse me, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, they were absolutely 100% in control of this thing. More Murphy than Gutekunst, but they had a similar vision. Like, these two are going in with just sledgehammers and just taking it to the walls of this team. And if you aren't producing, you're going away. Well, now we've gotten rid of um, McCarthy, and now it seems as though perhaps we're turning it toward Rodgers and saying, look, now all of your excuses are going away. We need to see more production. So, with that, I do expect them to add some weapons because, again, we want to take away all the excuses so that we're absolutely positive we know exactly what the issue is. And, again, we don't know that we don't know we don't need to move on from Aaron Rodgers. That's like three don'ts. I'm sure there's a problem with that somewhere. And, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what their thought is as far as he is or isn't the problem or is or is be over the hill or whatever. But I'm sure the hope is that he's fine and will be fine throughout his five years uh, remaining on his contract. But we don't know. Last year didn't look great. There were a lot of really bad things. So, you know, again, he was injured. uh, Horrible offensive scheme. Not really good players. Fine. New head coach. We'll get a few more weapons. But the bottom line is I think the goal now is to assess whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be the guy. So all that to say, 
I think there's potential that the Packers are looking to find quarterbacks at all levels. Now, the biggest problem I have with getting a quarterback in round one, and I know a lot of people think this is all smoke. I don't necessarily think it is. Might be. Don't remember the Packers ever really doing that before. But who knows? Different GM, different strategy, maybe, whatever. But the biggest problem is you take a quarterback at 30, you're kind of not getting in Aaron Rodgers' good graces at that point. But anyways, at all levels, meaning number one quarterback, in other words, finding a guy that could be Rodgers' successor is on the table. Number two quarterback, finding somebody to replace Deshaun Kaiser, considering how absolutely horrible he's been, is on the table. And then, you know, even further depth, somebody to round out this whole thing with Tim Boyle. I know he's beloved by a lot of people. But that's also, in other words, there's nothing settled at quarterback at this point, which is disheartening. I mean, we know Aaron Rodgers is the guy in the immediate future, meaning 2019 and 2020 for sure. But as far as going into the draft, I mean, usually the the thought process for us as Packer fans is, yeah, they might get a guy in the mid-rounds or late rounds or undrafted free agent to kind of keep the competition going and try to develop guys or whatever. But just about every single quarterback in this class, with the exception of Kyler Murray, is a potential Green Bay Packer at this point, including Haskins, who, you know, for all I know, is going to fall to 30. Probably won't, but might. Daniel Jones, Brett Ripien, all of them, any of them, who knows? Tyree Jackson, that'd be kind of that would be kind of crazy, man. I feel like Tyree Jackson would be the kind of guy that Packer fans would really, really like. You know, all those extra intangibles, and you start thinking about all the crazy stuff. You know, kind of like uh, like Taysom Hill, kind of like all the crazy attributes, like super cannon for an arm and all that stuff, and he's like seven feet tall. But it is a little crazy. And I I do tend to expect that there's going to be, at some level, not QB1, but at some level there's going to be some pretty serious competition. And if we take a quarterback at, you know, I'll say 12, but it's not going to be 12, at 12, 30, or 44, real good chance we got a new quarterback too. Then the real question is, is there a market for Kaiser? And the answer is probably not. We're, We're probably in a similar situation with Kaiser as we were with Brett Hundley. We're going to march him out there on the field try to hope and pray that he looks real, real good so that we can trade him for something. Please go out there and play really, really, really well. And who knows, maybe, you know, new scheme, maybe it'll help things. I mean, that, that's one of the benefits of the Lafleur scheme, hopefully, is that if you're scheming guys open, you're simplifying it for the quarterback. I mean, that's one of the things that, that's kind of weird about this whole dynamic is I feel like the Mark, Mike McCarthy thing worked to Aaron Rodgers' strengths because it relied on a really, really intelligent quarterback doing all the right things at the right time, and Rodgers kind of thrived on that, right? It's not an easy thing to execute. It's a beautiful thing because only so many quarterbacks can do it. It also relies on wide receivers just being better than everybody, which didn't work anymore. But, you know, really accurate passes, really good timing, real good chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver, and that kind of explains why when Rodgers goes out, nobody can come in and do anything. There's no chemistry. I mean, that takes a long time to develop the timing and the chemistry and, you know, just having extremely accurate passes, which isn't just about being an accurate quarterback. You also have to have chemistry to be accurate to an extent. You know, when they're going to come out of their break, this the speed of the wide receiver takes some time to get used to, right? If, he, if he's a burner, if he's really, really, really fast, you might underthrow the guy like, oh, geez, I didn't really expect that kind of speed. That's not a good thing to have at like week eight. Like, oh, I got to kind of get used to that a little bit. If you're kind of 
pulling that back a little bit and using the scheme to say, look, we're going to simplify this so that if you just follow these steps, everything will kind of be laid out for you. It kind of takes away from what Aaron Rodgers can do, but it makes it probably a little easier for the number two and number three and four guys at quarterback on the chart. But at this particular point in time, we do have Aaron Rodgers, and that's a very good thing. And I do expect, I'm not saying I think he's gone. I'm just saying this is kind of the way it's going. They're going to keep digging, and they're going to keep tearing this thing apart until they get to the root of the problem. And we're down to Aaron Rodgers. And you, you could say it's, it's up to LaFleur. Maybe if things don't work, then they fire LaFleur, and we go through this whole thing where we're trying to get new coaches in. But this isn't the kind of group I don't think that's going to say, well, Aaron Rodgers clearly isn't the problem. We can't move on from him. Looking at the contract structure, they're willing. But either way, I, I expect there to be a battle for number two. And I, I kind of hope Kaiser wins it. I mean, he's a talented guy. If we don't have to expend a high pick um, on a number two, that would be obviously ideal. We shouldn't have to. Deshaun Kaiser was a high pick. Deshaun Kaiser has a lot of talent. He needs to be better. As far as Tim Boyle, I know there's a massive following for Tim Boyle and, and love for Tim Boyle, which I was listening to, uh, I think it was Locked On NFL maybe. And they had, or maybe it was just locked on NFL draft because they had Sycamore and those guys or whatever. I don't know. I get them all confused. I swear the pairings between the, the, the it's so funny. Hey, Ledger's gone now, so it, it kind of doesn't work out anymore. But I think it was Ledger and Sycamore and then Marino and Crab. So there's always like a big guy. And then Crabs or uh, Ledger and Marino, I swear, have the exact same voice. I could never tell them apart, like if they were sitting next to each other. And Sycamore and Crabs are like the same guy I get them confused and then over at pff they got like two guys there's like the big guy and then the smaller skinny guy the bigger dark-haired guy and then the smaller skinnier guy so i don't know what it is with that pair if i ever find well i gotta figure out which guy i am i guess i don't have a pittsburghian accent that doesn't help so i, I don't know if i can be the big guy it's so weird anyways at one point they were talking about how every single team in the nfl there's a huge following for QB3, and it's funny because the Packers fans always love QB3, no matter who it is. There's always like this big thing that, oh, he's going to be the one that takes over. Probably because this is a quarterback going up against horrible defenses and just shredding them, which is the case for Tim Boyle, but we need to be a fan base that at least understands that doing really good in practice and uh, you know tearing up fourth-string defenses just doesn't mean anything anymore. I mean, Reggie Gilbert should be the best pass rusher in the history of the universe, and you get into the regular season and he's kind of trash. So the fact that Tim Boyle had two really good games last year and looks good in practice, I'm not trying to denigrate the guy, but give me a break. Not saying it's impossible, but we, we literally have nothing to go on. So anyways, it'll be pretty interesting to see. Um, I, I, you know, As I said, I expect them to take a quarterback. I don't necessarily think it's going to be 30, but we'll see. Here's what I will say, though, and I was thinking about this yesterday. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, but especially if he has a poor year, there is zero question in my mind that a major talking point is that the Packers are going to be drafting a quarterback in the first round. I think that's going to be a big thing. Now, I'm talking about if he has especially a bad year. Injury is a little bit more iffy because you're going to have still 90% of Packer fans saying whatever, but national media especially is going to be saying look at the very least the guy can't stay healthy you got to consider it right we're talking about he's he's going into his you know 36 years old multiple injuries over the last four years couldn't hurt and as i've said next year we've got another 2017 style draft class depending on who comes out with from and Tua and and herbert and 
whatever. And we're talking about if Rodgers has a bad year or gets injured, we're probably top 15 again, meaning good chance we get one of them. So that's something else. I, you know, I, I, As I've said, I try to stay positive this time of the year. I'm not trying to talk about negative stuff. Just something to think about. Bad year or long-lasting injury, meaning he's out half the season or, or so. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of talk that Aaron Rodgers is going to be uh, not necessarily replaced, but it's it's 100%. So in other words, we go this year from why in the world are they talking to quarterbacks? It could be just one year in which they're talking about you have to draft his replacement now. But on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers is going to have, uh, you know, about 5,500 yards and 43 touchdowns and, uh, you know, another Super Bowl under his belt, so we don't have to worry about it. Moving on as quickly as we can, because I am taking way too long, wide receiver. Now, I've said all this before, but I want to just say it again so that we're clear. One of the things I did, and I'm very upset because I swear I uploaded the defensive one, but apparently I didn't. One of the things that you can find on Patreon, one of the premium things that I uploaded, is a list of our starting roster. And that starting roster is compared to the rest of the NFL. So I actually took all the PFF grades for all of our starters compared to all the other starters. And when I say starters, specifically looking at wide receiver, it's wide receiver one, which is Adams, compared to every other wide receiver one. Wide receiver two, which was Equinemius, compared to every other wide receiver two. So not his rank overall compared to all the other wide receivers. How does Equinemius rank compared to all the other wide receiver twos? How does Marquez rank compared to all the other number threes? Now, I get that we invested a lot in wide receiver, but this is the problem that I have. This is the problem I have specifically, I guess, with not taking a wide receiver, especially early which we might not be. I don't know that the Packers have an interest in this. Devontae Adams was ranked 7th by PFF compared to all the other wide receiver ones, which essentially just means he was 7th overall, right? Same difference. Well, I guess not necessarily if there was a wide receiver 2 that was like 6th, which would be crazy, but that's not the case. Equinemius, who was the second highest graded wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers, compared to number 2s out of 32 teams, graded out as the 27th best. These are number two wide receivers. There's a lot of teams that don't have any talent at wide receiver. He was the 27th best. That's not good. And I know as Packer fans, we always get jacked up, but we got to remember that every team around the NFL looks at their number twos and their number threes, and they're all excited about the potential, and we look at them and just laugh. Like Bears fans who think they have good wide receivers. It's like, (laughs) come on, man. You don't, though. Or, or Bears fans that think Trubisky's going to turn the court. Like, dude, he's going to be so good this year. Like, come on, man. You really think that? That's what everyone else is doing to us when we say Equinemius is going to be a freak. 27th best, number two wide receiver. Marquez, because it gets worse. This is compared to number threes. Think in your mind who some of the number three wide receivers are. You probably don't even know who they are. The Vikings, for example, have two very good wide receivers. Their number three wide receiver is a joke. Marquez Valdez-Scantling compared to number three wide receivers ranked 23rd. Now, in case we're not clear on this, that's not higher than EQ because he's going up against garbage wide receivers. He is the 23rd best compared to a bunch of garbage number three wide receivers. And by the way, the way that I did this, is I just looked at the third best. So it's not like, well, some of these guys maybe are pretty good. and are, No, 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 no. I'm not talking about, like, you know, specifically a certain position. I'm just talking about the third best wide receiver compared to third best wide receivers. That's really, really bad. 
And I, I just, I'm not comfortable with the idea that, well, let's risk the entire season because I do think it's that big of an issue. I think a huge part of the problem with our entire offense last year is that we just had one guy. And if we're going to risk an entire season on the notion that they'll probably get better, some late-round wide receivers will probably take a massive step forward and be awesome, and we're going to risk an entire season on that, we got an entire fan base that doesn't want to touch Jeffrey Simmons because it's no impact this year, but we're going to roll the dice on the whole season that Marquez and EQ are just going to be freaks. I'm not willing to risk that, man. I'm just not. We've got to get somebody else. Because number one, I'm not willing to risk it. Number two, I'm not afraid to have four good wide receivers on this team. And I don't know why any Packer fans would be. Now, I do tend to agree with what everybody else has said to this point. I don't see the point in drafting another fifth-round wide receiver. Because, I mean, we, we you got to have somebody that's going to play. Like now. And, and, you know, what everybody else usually points to is we're one Devontae Adams injury away from disaster. No, we are in a disaster right now. We had Devontae last year all year, and it was bad. Not Devontae was bad. The offense was bad because we had nobody else. We, we're not one wide receiver injury away from a disaster. We are currently in one. Unless we make a bunch of assumptions, we have an offense that could be in trouble. Again, we can make assumptions. Well, Lafleur's scheme will change it. Well, EQ's going to take a step. Well, MVS. Well, Jamon. Well, we got Geronimo back. Well, 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 well. All assumptions that mean nothing to me. Aaron Rodgers needs another weapon. I don't care if it's Noah Fant, Hakeem Butler, A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown. I don't care who it is. Whoever the Packers feel like can step in on day one and be an awesome wide receiver and a weapon outside of Devontae Adams day one, let's just go do it, please. And again, if Marquez and EQ step up and all of a sudden are like freaks, and they're, they're, both of them are basically like wide receiver two caliber guys, which right now I don't think we don't have one other wide receiver do. That's not a bad thing. And to be clear, we didn't have anyone that graded as good last year, just looking at the grades. Devontae Adam was borderline elite, very close to what uh, PFF grades out as elite. Equinemius was average. Marquez was average. Geronimo was average. Jamon was bad. Jay Kumaro was bad. Alan Lazard was average on his one snap. Not good enough. So yeah, I, I think it's dire. I, I shouldn't say dire. That's that's the wrong way to put it. There are teams that have you know one good wide receiver, and but but you gotta have something. I mean, it, you know, if, if it's really just Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones, and and they all need to stay healthy the whole year, we're in a lot of trouble. Fine, get him a tight end or something. I whatever. Running back. Now, this one I do think is similar to um, the notion that we are one injury away from disaster because I think Aaron Jones, if he's healthy all year, we're kind of set. The problem is there's concern about him being able to be healthy all year because he's yet to do that. And that's with a limit. I mean, the guy started the season suspended. Then he had a very limited snap count, and he still didn't make it through the year. Jamal just probably isn't the guy. I like Jamal. I think he's a good running back. I'm happy with him as a secondary running back. I don't want Aaron Jones to get hurt and Jamal to be the starting guy. Now, maybe, again, maybe, 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 assumptions, assumptions, assumptions. Lafleur changes the scheme. Jamal does a lot better. Great. Maybe. But we've got to draft somebody. The question is, where do you draft him, right? Again, wide receiver should be early. Don't bother drafting late. I'm not interested. We have a lot of guys that are fifth-round caliber guys, right? In the fifth round, you're getting a bunch of EQs, Marquez's, Jamon's, Geronimo's, Davis's, Kumaro's, 
Lazards. We've got an entire roster filled with those guys. Running back, it gets a little more complicated. Now, I think you get really good talent as late as, you know, third round. I mean, you can get really good talent as late as the sixth round, but I'm talking third round is still some real studs because it's running back. You don't have to invest a first or second round in a running back to get the top guys. But still the question remains, do you want to take another swing in the fifth or sixth round, or do you kind of want to get a little adventurous and look at third, fourth round, second round even? When you look at the importance that, the emphasis that's put on the run game with LaFleur, and you look at the current running, I I know offensive line is probably a bigger focus, but we need to put some focus on our running backs. Is Aaron Jones the guy? If Aaron Jones is an injury concern, who's going to be the guy? Do In other words, do we want to find the guy or do we want to find a guy? If I had to guess, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think fourth round, especially the way the, the, the draft is set up, kind of makes a lot of sense. We've got two fourth round picks. If we invest one in a running back, we can still get a guy that's a pretty big stud, probably somebody that's going to compete with Jamal Williams for that number two spot behind Aaron Jones. Um, I don't want a guy that's just a receiver. I know a lot of people, it's like, oh, yeah, you got to find a guy with, you know, I mean, it'd be nice if he has that as something he's good at. You want well-rounded, but you don't want the 185-pound, nine receiving back who can't handle between the tackle responsibility. Because, again, if Aaron Jones goes down, then what do we have? It's just Jamal Williams all over again. That doesn't fix that problem. So you got to find a well-rounded running back that can kind of handle all that stuff, blocking, catching, running. Fullback, I wouldn't be surprised if we take a swing at that. Um, I mean, you know, again, Vitali, he's got the the athleticism to be everything that Lafleur is interested in. So maybe they're just going to see what happens. But he wasn't great last year. I mean, he was a phenomenal blocker, but as a runner, it just didn't really work. But he didn't have a lot of opportunities either. So we'll see what it is. But still, wouldn't be the worst thing to have some competition. And and there is, you know, some people on the roster that could try to maybe play fullback, but with fullback, I mean, you, what, fourth round is when the first one's going to go, fifth round? If that's even an important feature of this offense, again, compared to maybe we just go out and get an H-back or something, I don't know. It's possible. It, it, I don't know. It'll, it's kind of interesting, I get. I kind of don't care. Looking at tight end, I, th- I think we absolutely need to invest, and this is similar to wide receiver. It needs to be relatively early. I think if we go beyond the third round without addressing tight end, I'm a little bit concerned because that's a very Ted Thompson thing to do, right? For years, it's like, hey, we need a tight end, Ted, Ted, a tight end, please. And he's like, okay, fifth round. It's like, no, Ted, dude, we, come on, man. He's like, oh, well, that's okay. There's a 40-year-old. I'll just get him in free agency. It's like, no, man. Jeez. Now, it doesn't have to be TJ Hawkinson at 12. It doesn't have to be Fant at 30. It doesn't have to be Irv Smith at 44. But, you know. There's some guys that are seen as pretty talented people that are going to go in the first three rounds, and I think we should address it. Tanyan is relatively talented, but I don't think he exactly has the upside to be anything super special. And even beyond that, Jimmy Graham and Lance Kendricks I don't think are long-term answers. Similar to wide receiver, we didn't have a lot of talent. Lance Kendricks was graded as average. I mean, all three of them were basically average. Well, four of them. Kendricks, Graham, Tanyan, and Lewis. Kendricks is not even signed by the team right now, so right now what we have, aside from Evan Bayless, who is just going to maybe possibly get the practice squad spot, I don't know. You've got Mercedes Lewis, who's over the hill, Jimmy Graham, who's over the hill, and Robert Tanyan, who's, you know, I don't know, maybe a number two tight end. Somebody with some youth has to step in and be a target for Aaron Rodgers in the tight end spot. 
It would be nice if it was Jimmy Graham. And again, I think there's room for improvement. I think his fall off was a little more drastic than it needed to be. I think there's a lot more potential with Jimmy Graham left. Hopefully we can get some of that going with the new head coach. But again, I don't want to draft based on assumptions. Oh, I'm sure Jimmy Graham will be like his old days again. No, I don't think that's a good bet. Same with Lewis. Same with Tanyan. Oh, he's so, Tanyan's so good. No, man, he's not. Center Corey Lindsley, he's got that job locked up. Nothing to worry about there. Possibly depth, but whatever. At guard, as I have said several times, um, we don't have anything locked up. Right now, the best guys that we currently have, the three guys supposedly that are going to be fighting for spots are Justin McRae, Lane Taylor, and Billy Turner. Nobody wants to talk about McRae, and I. It, it's so weird, as I've said several times, I was the biggest McRae detractor back when everybody seemed to like McRae, and now everybody dis- disregards McRae as though he's complete trash, and uh, it's kind of like, well, I mean, he, he kind of was okay last year. We shouldn't disregard him. Let me just be clear exactly what the grades are. McRae, Taylor, and Billy Turner are basically the exact same grade for, the, for last year, according to PFF. All three of them were average, and all three of them had almost the exact same grade. However, Justin McRae was technically the highest graded offensive guard between the three. It was in order, Justin McRae, Lane Taylor, Billy Turner. So the assumption seems to be, well, Billy Turner is going to be the guy for sure, and Lane Taylor is going to have his job locked up. We just got to find somebody else to maybe compete with, with Turner and Lane and, and, and you know maybe just get some backups outside of that. No, I, I would like to get a starter that's kind of a stud. I wouldn't mind drafting two guards because I don't really care that we paid Billy Turner a lot of money as much as I hope the Packers are right in doing that and he comes in and he's an absolute freak because he did show a lot of promise. We've talked about that already. I don't think anything is or should be set in stone. And, and if the GM wants to stick his nose in things with the head coach and say he needs to start, which I don't think he's going to do that, that's the wrong thing to do. As of right now, I don't think we have a good guard on this team. For the billionth time, potential, potential, potential. And basically the only potential I see here is Billy Turner. But even that is relatively unlikely because it's been like four or five years he's been in the league and he has not had a good year ever. I think the reason he got picked up is similar to the reason a lot of these guys got picked up. It's like, oh, they had that one good year, except for Billy Turner, it wasn't great. I mean, in actuality, Justin McRae, just looking at, I mean, he's younger. He had a really bad year in 2017. He took a step in 2018 and went from bad to average. If he takes another step, he could easily be the best guard on this team. Beyond that, let's not forget that we have Nico Siragusa, and we also have Cole Madison back. But again, the biggest problem I have is similar to the wide receiver thing. When we got a bunch of guys that can come in and do something, I would like to have a couple guys that are good. I don't think we have anyone that's good. So yeah, I'd like to draft somebody. And I, I, I would say up to and including pick 12, as much as people might not like that. The, que- the only question in my mind is, is there a, a quality guard worth that pick 12? Now, the only way that I would do that is if, you know, the guard is the best player available at 12 which is pretty unlikely. But if that's the case, do I have a hesitation? Would I want to be trading out of that spot because I don't want to take a guard at 12? No, I'm just taking the guard at 12. Ideally, we wait a little bit and wait for 30 or 44 or whatever. But we've got to do better than this. Again, Lafleur wants to run the ball. Let's get him some help. At tackle is kind of a, I don't know, you know, without assuming injury, the Packers are fine this year at tackle. Brian Balaga is a very underrated tackle. Packer fans are a little lower on him than they should be. He's a, he's, he's, he's very good. I mean, when I make the statement that this is maybe the best 
you know, tackle duo in the NFL, probably not, but it's close and has been for several years. It's not just because David Bakhtiari. A duo is two people. I don't know. I mean, maybe you didn't know that. I'm assuming you did. So it's it's more long-term, and it would be nice to have some depth. But compared to a lot of the other issues that I'm looking at, you know, if we're talking about trying to do good this year, tackle is not the biggest problem. There's also the question of, you know, there's other offensive linemen on the team, but Jason Spriggs took a small step, has taken several small steps over the course of time. He was a second-round pick, so there's there's the talent and the potential in there, and he's had injury issues which have maybe stunted his growth. It's very similar to Kevin King where it's like, I know you can do the, the This is going to drive me nuts, and I should, shouldn't do this because I should wait until I get to Kevin King. But Kevin King and Jason Spriggs, in my mind, are the exact same person. But Jason Spriggs, everybody hates and laughs at like he's a joke. And Kevin King, everyone thinks is a freak. They're both been terrible. Terrible. They both have a lot of potential. They're both second-round picks. They're both very freakishly athletic. They've both been real bad. They both have a lot of potential. And they're both basically improve-it years. But yet, we're set at corner because Kevin King's a freak. And we need to replace Jason Spriggs because he's a joke. No, man. Same guy. Same guy. In fact, Jason Spriggs graded out higher than Kevin King last year, and I don't have a problem with that assessment. I know everybody else does. I don't. I don't want to dislike Kevin King. I really don't, and I hope he has a really good year. I just, I think he was, is, and always will be limited in his capabilities. I've always said, if you're trying to run a go route on Kevin King, or if you're trying to run a fade route in the end zone, you will not beat Kevin King. In a very limited spectrum, he is elite. But I think when you get a very agile type of wide receiver who's, you know, kind of cuts inside once in a while, going to cause a lot of problems. It's not even the injury concern so much with Kevin King for me as much as it is for everybody else. I just don't think he's good, man. Whatever. I I, I hope he makes me eat my words. I just don't think that's going to happen, but we'll get to cornerback. Bottom line is Jason Spriggs could take a step. We do have to address the tackle position. Is it a, a dire need this year? Well, it can be if Balaga gets hurt. But at the same time, I think sometimes we forget to look at bigger picture. And in the bigger picture, there are a lot of teams who have a worse situation even than David Bakhtiari and Jason Spriggs. Believe it or not, there are teams that have a worse situation than that. So am I okay taking a tackle at 12 or anywhere in this draft? Yes, I am. Am I okay waiting until next year? Not really, but, you know, it is what it is. Who knows? Maybe we'll ride it out this year. Next year, we'll look to sign a big free agent guy. Otherwise, should be a pretty strong tackle class, from my understanding. At least the way it's shaping up so far, because I've been dipping the toe in a little bit. Hey, look what's up next. It's cornerback. Let's take a little break, and uh, then we'll talk about defensive stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So corner is, I mean, it's a problem. And, and it's, it's, it's the same as wide receiver, except Jair isn't Devontae. That's the only real difference. And I get the frustration with we've invested a lot and we should just not be doing that. Maybe get a late round guy, whatever. Kevin King has never finished the season with a positive PFF grade, ever. He's also never finished the season healthy, which is also a problem. Let me just read the grades to you as they stand, and, and I don't have the sheet in front of me, but it was equally as bad. We, we don't even have good number twos compared to number twos. We don't have good number threes compared to number threes. Jair Alexander was the only cornerback we had that was within the top 100 at cornerback. He graded out 30th. Josh Jackson had a grade of 60.3. For those that don't know, 60 is average. It's perfectly average. Josh Jackson graded out as perfectly average, which is fine for an undrafted free agent. Not exactly what I expected for a second-round pick who was thought to be an early first-round guy. Tony Brown, who everybody loves, graded out 48.8. That's terrible. Kevin King, 59.7. Technically average, but still not quite. The good news is it was an upgrade from 2017 when he had a 51 grade. So, yeah, I mean, he took a step. Maybe, again, maybe he takes another step, like Jason Spriggs, and he becomes good. That'd be awesome if he does. I hope he does. And, again, the the biggest reason I'm, like, higher on some people and lower on some, it's just against perception. I, you know, if everybody hated Kevin King, I'd be a lot higher on him. It's just because everybody assumes, dude, he's a, he's great. No! He's not, and he never has been, ever. Like, oh, remember that one game? Like, no, not really, I don't. I, I remember some good plays. Absolutely, I do. I know last year he had one game where he was graded as elite. It was basically the only game where he was graded even positively. Let me run through Kevin King's grades from last year. This is weeks 1, 2, 5, 6, 8, and 9. Against Chicago, 53.0. That's bad. Against Minnesota, 64.5. Above average, but average. He had a good tackling grade. That was it. Against Detroit, 50.2. That's bad. But, you know, good tackling grade. Against San Francisco, 85. That's a very good grade. Terrible run defense grade. Good tackling grade. Terrible pass rush grade. Elite coverage grade. Four targets, one reception. That one was for um, 17 yards. Two yards after the catch. One interception. 5.2 NFL passer rating. That was 28 snaps in coverage. So for one game, through a stretch of 28 snaps, he was able to keep it all together and look really good against the 49ers. 49ers, by the way, who did not have their starting quarterback, etc., etc. Week 8 against the Rams, 52.1. That's a bad grade. Didn't grade out positively on anything. 60 in run defense. 29.5 was his grade tackling. 50.2 was his grade in coverage. 116.7 NFL passer rating. Then week 9 against the Patriots, which is the only other game he played, 61 overall grade, which is average. Ended the season, as I said, 59.7. The only reason he wasn't a lot lower and closer to his 2017 grade is because of that one grade, one game against San Francisco. 
So when I say I'm okay with the idea of taking a corner at 12 or a corner at 30, it's not because I think it's the biggest need that we have. It's because, again, I'm not going to assume Josh Jackson is going to suddenly become great. I'm not going to assume Kevin King is going to suddenly become great. And I'm not afraid of having good, two good cornerbacks. That doesn't scare me. I'm not going to cry about that. If Jair Alexander suddenly becomes our second best corner, and again, Jair was very, very good, but he tailed off at the end of the year where he wasn't quite as good anymore. He was the 30th best overall, which is technically good enough to be a starter, but barely. I know, that makes a lot of people sick. Everybody's very mad at me. How dare you? I get it. Just telling you information. I'm sorry if you don't like it. I love Jair. I like Josh Jackson. I'm hopeful for Kevin King. We'll see what happens. But we don't have a good cornerback group. We have a good corner in Jair. We have guys that should be good. But, I mean, oh my goodness, Packer fans. Are we really not, we we haven't figured out that just because you're a second-round pick, you don't have to be good? I feel like recent history tells us that just because you're an early round pick and because we have two of you, that doesn't mean much. Josh Jackson and Kevin King don't have to be great corners. If there's any fan base in the universe that should understand that just because you invest a lot in corners doesn't mean they have to be good, it should be us. Please don't be mad at me. Just understand that this is a reality. And again, for the billionth time, I'm not going to abdicate a draft pick or or my responsibilities taking talent because you know maybe i mean we've got a really good corner just sitting there byron murphy or or greedy williams is just sitting there at 30 and we're not going to touch him because you know we got josh jackson or we have kevin king no man we're taking him i'm sorry it's just he's coming here and hopefully he can be better now he 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 bet this better be a slam dunk because i'm really tired of drafting cornerbacks early and not having any idea what we're doing. Because clearly nobody in Green Bay has figured out the formula for finding good corners. But I, but that's also not a reason not to draft somebody, right? Well, we've tried and I'm tired of it. No, dude, get good players. Let's go. Come on, come on, you can do this. Safety, um, I, I, you know, I, I, the only thing I can really think to say is we're not done here. Um, I think Sometimes we forget that, and I'm not entirely sure why. Adrian Amos is awesome. I, I love Amos. I talked about Amos prior to getting him, that he is one of the guys that I would love to have. Maybe above. I mean, I said I wanted Amos above whatever that guy from the Giants name was. I don't even remember, don't even care. I think Amos is better than him. So I was very excited we got him. The, the only issue I have is we need at least two. I mean, starting. Tremont isn't the guy. He's fine. I mean, we can do Amos and Tremont. That's, that'll work. And maybe it'll help Tremont to have Amos by his side. So maybe that's good enough. If if, you're, if we're good with Amos, Tremont Williams, and Josh Jones as the trio, then yeah, maybe we're maybe we're doing pretty good there. But my personal assessment would be we should probably get a better number two. And and to be honest, if we can get a better number two and put Tremont back at corner, that would actually make me a lot happier because I think Tremont is our second best corner on this team. I'd rather have him there. I think Tremont is better than Kevin King and and. You know, hopefully he's not better than Josh Jackson come next year, but as of right now, as of looking at last year, I think he was better. Was and is. Um, so yeah, I, th- I just think that there's more work to be done there. Linebacker, I think, is a really, really big need. Not because I dislike Blake Martinez. I think he's solid. I think, com- you know, considering he was a fourth-round draft pick, I think he's exceeded expectations, certainly exceeded him from what I expected, as did Jake Ryan, who is now gone. And also, I, you know, I don't want to be super negative on Oren Burks because we didn't get to see him all that much, and it didn't seem to really pan out. But, you know, 
Maybe, but we're not drafting based on the maybes. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if we draft a guy at 12 and we have... I mean, think of it this way. If we get Devin Bush and he's as good as everybody hopes he can be and he's a legitimate, just freakish linebacker, the guy that can be with this team for like 10 years or something, just he's going to be awesome. Well, even if Oren Burks is awesome, he's awesome in a very different way, right? Very fast, very athletic. You rotate Oren and Martinez situationally next to Devin Bush, and that's a very good thing because they have different skill sets and they're both, you know, assuming again, Oren Burks becomes better. They're both very good in their respective roles, whereas Devin Bush is kind of a very well-rounded, good at a lot of different stuff. The draft is Thursday. Cool. It just, sorry, it just like hit me right in the stomach. I feel like I just went over like a giant hill and like when you come down and you get butterflies and it was just like, oh man, that was crazy. I, I was just thinking out loud like Devin Bush and then it just hit me like Devin Bush could be a Packer on Thursday. Like this Thursday, he could be a Green Bay. Oh, uh. <laughs> so jacked but I, you know I'm, I'm not telling you what you don't know but the other issue that comes into play here is Blake Martinez with his contract um, he is up for a contract next year now I would assume we'd want to keep him but if Blake or you know if we end up drafting somebody who's a lot better it would be nice to not have to pay a guy just, you know, I, I, I hate saying this kind of stuff because it sounds so cold and I like Blake Martinez and all that stuff, but from a business standpoint, you don't want to have to pay guys like this, right? You you want to pay your core guys, right? Kenny Clark is getting paid because he's got to get paid. End of story, right? Devontae Adams, pay the man. Aaron Rodgers, pay the man. Corey Lindsley, got paid. Jair, when the time comes, pay the man. Blake Martinez, he's good. I like Blake. But is he the kind of guy where it's like if, if, you know, if he hits the market, he's worth, you know, $8 million, $10 million? Like, no, man, I'm, I'm sorry. And I've been a big Blake proponent, but a lot of it is just, again, a lot of anti-Blake people out there. It's like, no, no, trust I mean, he's actually really good. I mean, he's, he's solid. I don't know why you guys hate on him all the time. He's good. But, you know, again, I mean, if he, if he legitimately is that, like if he's holding out and he's like, no, I, I want a payday. No, nah, man, I, I'd rather draft somebody at 12 and, and let him be a stud and, and let Blake walk. Now that puts us in a tough spot where we'd need another linebacker to fill in that spot pending Oren Burks. But I do think that's another consideration. Not only do we need another linebacker, but we're looking at the potential of Blake Martinez wanting a lot of money come next year and being worth a lot of money. And if we don't draft somebody this year, we're probably going to have to overpay to keep Blake Martinez just so we're not in a bad situation. And I don't think anybody should want to have to do that. Defensive interior is just beyond stacked. I've, I've talked about this. I am trying to say this in the most not weird way ever but I really appreciate our defensive line coach really like the guy as I've said just look at I've probably done this before but let me just read off the grades and keep in mind what I've said about corners guys that we really like and and certain players that we all like that I've said don't have very good grades Kenny Clark elite Dean Lowry was graded as good Mike Daniels was graded as good Montrevious Adams was graded as good Tyler Lancaster was graded as kind of like high good like dude he's he's legitimate Muhammad Wilkerson, also high good. He's not there anymore. James Looney, very close to being good. I want to say good, I just can't quite. Montrevious was 69.3. I just put him in the good category. But even James Looney, 66.8. Like, he was the worst defensive lineman we had, and he was fine. Everybody was good. Nobody in the entire defensive line group had a bad grade. Now, here's the problem. Next year, Kenny Clark, free agent. Mike Daniels, free agent. 
Dean Lowry, free agent. Now, again, Kenny's getting paid, and he better be getting paid. I just I'm not even I'm not even playing with that idea. That's silliness. But when you're looking at a bunch of free agents coming up and you're not gonna want to pay everybody, as much as we want to keep Dean and we want to keep Mike, you know, I don't know. Is Mike Daniels at his age a core guy? Also looking at the fact that this is a very heavy defensive line class, especially in the first round, you know, I think between 12 and 30, because after pick 30, you know, the defensive line talent kind of falls off. It's not like strong defensive line class throughout. It's just elite talent is there in the first round. So between picks 12 and 30, whether it's Tillery, Wilkins, uh, Draymond, whatever, I kind of feel like, and you know, Obviously, we don't have six picks with our first two picks. I'm just spitballing per per play, you know, per position. I could see this or that happening. I wouldn't be super surprised if a guy like Wilkins gets picked up at 12. And you know what? While we're at it, and I've kind of mentioned this in the past, but I just nobody ever talks about the guy. I've got him on NFL Big Board at 176, but I've mentioned him as being very, very, very good. He's one of the few people that has an elite grade according to PFF's grading scale. He's one of the highest guys on my spreadsheet. But you want to know a name that somebody could take or that the Packers could take at 30 that everybody goes, wait, who? Mr. Greg Gaines, defensive tackle out of Washington. Now he's sort of that, you know, 330 pound kind of guy, which isn't typically what the Packers like to do. They want the smaller athletic kind of guys. But Greg Gaines is kind of in that Vita Vea mold. Not quite as good as Vita Vea, but very athletic for his massive frame and size. If we don't get a tackle at 12 and 30, um, maybe that'd be a surprise 44 pick right there. And, you know, I, I shouldn't even say that there's not talent later on. I, I think Dalen Mack is a very, very good uh, defensive tackle. Obviously, you guys know I like Rennell Wren. There are some other guys here that are that are pretty solid. I just wouldn't want to wait too long because we're, we're you know, if, if we don't re-sign two of those three guys, we go from having a real strong defensive tackle class to being a pretty strong, or excuse me, defensive tackle group to a pretty weak group. However, if there's any group in which I would say maybe we can risk taking a developmental guy in the fourth or fifth round, it might be defensive tackle because of the respect that I have for the defensive line coach, right? If we got seventh round guys that are coming in and being productive, that's um, something to be said for that. Finally off the edge, and we'll get out of here. And I've kind of addressed this. Um, I like Preston. I like Zadarius. I don't think we have an elite pass rusher. I don't know that we have a very good pass rusher. I think we have an upgrade at that position. I think we're solid at the position. But I also think we lack depth. So I think there's a really good opportunity, as I've said already, and several have said also, to get a guy like Brian Burns, possibly Josh Allen if we trade up, or you know Chase Winovich a little bit later on, whatever. Maybe Cleveland, something. I'll, I'll, I'll set aside my personal beliefs. If the Packers feel like a Montez sweater, whoever can come in and be a top-tier productive guy, I think it makes a lot of sense to add him. With Zedarius Smith possibly being an inside guy, with Preston and Zedarius being good but not elite, with the lack of depth that we have, it would make a lot of sense to go out. I mean, if, if we have an opportunity to get a stud, we should get a stud. So... You know, the unfortunate thing about going through this is you kind of look at the position and say, well, do we need this? And the answer is always yes. There really isn't a position I'm looking at going, no, we just don't need that. Do we need a quarterback? Yeah, to some capacity. Do we need wide receivers? Yes. Running backs? Yes. Fullback? Yeah, why not? Tight end? Yes. Center? Well, no. I'll leave, <laughs> I'll leave center alone, but maybe some depth. I don't know. 
Guard, yes, absolutely. Tackles, yeah, we kind of do. Cornerback, I think we do. Um, you know, maybe we can go a little bit later, but I think we should probably try to address what up, dance party? That means it's time to go to work, which is not what I want to hear on a Monday, so you just keep your mouth quiet over there, Mr. DJ Galaxy. Try not to think about the fact that it's Monday and I have to go to work. Come on, man. Why? See, now you're putting me in a bad mood. Moving on. Safeties. Yes, we need safeties. Linebackers. I think we should look at linebacker. Interior defender. Yeah, we should probably get an interior defender. How about edge rusher? Yeah, I think we should get an edge rusher. By the way, we also seem to be looking at kickers. <laughs> so uh, we bought in Sam Ficken to compete with Mason Crosby, primarily probably because he's got a contract coming up. So be on the lookout. I, I don't know if we're actually going to be drafting a kicker. That would be the one thing that's going to set everybody off because they hated the drafting the punter thing or whatever. I just don't know if there's anyone really even good enough for that. And if there is, the Bears are probably going to take him or one of these other teams that is just in dire need. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a third kicker that comes in as an undrafted free agent just to see what happens and see if Mason Crosby can just outkick him and win the job. I hope they don't do that with J.K., though. I still like J.K. I know he didn't do as well as we had all hoped, and that's a little disappointing. But let's give him one more year, man. Come on. We, we drafted the guy. You got to just... Come on, J.K. He's supposed to be the best punter in the NFL and by a lot. Anyways. Um, so that's kind of the... the roster as I see it. There's there's always holes, there's always needs. And the, the the one good thing about that is there's really no pick that they could make where it's like that was just the wrong thing to do. There are a couple, but not very many. Because there's literally a case to be made for every single position on this roster, up to and including punters and kickers. And long snappers. So it, it's not a matter even so much of position. It's really just a matter of these guys need to do their due diligence. They need to hit. Right, I would rather you hit on getting studs at positions that aren't a premium need than fill needs with guys that aren't very good. So again, if there's a really good can't-miss corner at 12, just please take them because I just want good football players on this team. Because I think we're close, man. I really do. Could go either way, but I'm excited. Optimistic. So anyways, that's it. I guess I'm going to work, DJ Galaxy. All up in my face all the time. You folks enjoy your Monday. It's only just a few short days away we're doing the draft, and I am beyond excited. So anyways, tomorrow we are doing a mock draft. The day after that, we are doing a mock draft. Y'all just going to have to deal with it. I don't know what Thursday is going to be. I feel like it should be something special, but I just won't even go down that road because it won't be. But enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, bye-bye.